Whether it is Advent or Epiphany or Lent or Easter or Christmas or Pentecost, God's grace, God's mercy, God's peace, sufficient for the seasons of the church here, certainly sufficient for the circumstances of our life. Every morning this is a day that God has made. I'll rejoice and be glad in the fact that His grace, His mercy, and His peace They are with me. Question. I have a question for you. So your child or your grandchild, dear Cece, has cookie crumbs all over her face. She was told not to eat the cookie until the Thanksgiving meal itself was devoured. And then everyone left the room. The temptation was severe. She did eat of the cookie. Tell me this. (laughs) Why does mom or dad, why does grandma and grandpa come in and they ask a question they already know the answer to? (laughs) Why do they say, Cece, did you eat that cookie? Why do they ask the question? And when she shakes her head no and the evidence is all over her face, Why do you ask the question a second time? Did you eat the cookie? Why ask questions that you already know the answer to? The dog ate it. Uh, Lucas must have done it. And when you ask the question a third time, the confession comes out. Why do you ask questions you already know the answers to? You ask them for the same reason that God asks questions. When he says to the leper, didn't I heal all ten? Where are the other nine? When God asks questions, why does he do it? When he says to Adam and Eve, why are you hiding When he asks Cain, where is your brother Abel? When he asks questions, why does he do it? He already knows the answer. He's God. He asks questions for this reason. To bring healing. To restore a relationship broken by sin. And he does it in order to teach. Three reasons. To heal a relationship broken by sin. To teach a lesson. Didn't I heal all ten of you? Where are the other nine? And to restore this relationship with God. Because whenever there is sin, there's a break in relationship. Whether it's a six-year-old taking a cookie or whether it's someone doing fill-in-the-blank, there's always a harm to the relationship. It does something to a child when they know they've done something wrong. It does something to mom and dad when they know a child or a teenager is off on a wrong path. That's why questions are asked. Let me delve into this particular theme on the first Sunday of Advent. 
There is God and there is Satan. There is a deep distinction between both. One is omniscient, one is omnipresent, one is omnipotent, that is God. Satan was created by God. The power that angels have is extraordinary. In the Old Testament, one angel uh, destroying basically uh, 180,000 of the enemy in one night. Power that angels have is extraordinary. But next to God, molehill next to Mount Everest. God is omniscient. He is omnipresent. He is um, omnipotent. Someone asked me the other day, how do we know if Satan's not in charge? And 1 John 4, 4, my goodness. Everyone born of God has overcome the world. Because the one in you, namely God, is far stronger than the one in the world. The one named God is called the Prince of Peace. Isaiah 9, 6, 8, uh, His name shall be called the Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the what? The Prince of Peace. That is our Lord, the Son of God. The other Satan is called the Prince of this world's darkness. One is the Prince of Light, the Prince of Peace, the other Prince of this world's darkness. Ephesians 6, 11, and 12, he is thus described. If there were no fallen angel named Satan, if in his pride and arrogance he had not gone against God, as pointed out in Ezekiel 38, book of Revelation, John 8, Job, the first chapter, Matthew 16, and hundreds of other references pertaining to this prince of darkness, if he did not exist, you would have no suffering, no cancer, no addictions, no death, no pain, no sin, no broken relationships, no fears, no worries. You would have none of that. He is the source. Second Samuel verse uh, chapter 14, verse 14. Like water spilled on the ground, each of us must die. But God desires the death of no man. That is Satan's realm. Satan asks questions. So does God. When God asks questions, as I mentioned earlier, He does it to heal. He does it to teach. He does it to point us to repentance. He does it to heal the relationship that we have with God. But when Satan asks questions, it is for the purpose of destruction. Jesus spoke about Satan in John 8, 44. He said he's a liar and a murderer from the beginning. There is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native tongue, for he is a liar and he's a father of lies. Five times in one verse, calling him a liar, one who seeks to destroy. Sometimes uh, Satan, as when he visited Eve, he'll ask the question in person. But he asks questions now through other people. And you would sit and say, yeah, he asks questions through bad and evil people. And yes, he does. But he also asks questions through those who say they believe in Jesus. He uses our tongues to do harm. To do harm to ourselves, to the relationships we have with family and friends and total strangers. 
Satan asks questions to do harm to our relationship with God himself. James 3.9, with this tongue we praise God, and with this tongue we curse and slander men made in the likeness of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. Brothers, these things ought not so to be. Satan's questions. He comes to Eve on that particular day. When he comes to Eve, he's not come for the purpose of saying, man, isn't God something? Look at everything he's created. Aren't you blessed to know him? Aren't you blessed the fact he comes into this garden and walks through the garden with you? There's no one like him. He did not come to praise God. He came to destroy three things. He wanted to destroy Adam and Eve, for God had said in the day they eat of that fruit, they'll certainly die. He came to destroy the relationship between the two of them, and he most certainly did. For when God came and said, did ye to the fruit, Adam said, Eve gave me the fruit. This woman that he brought into my life, she gave me the fruit. The relationship between the two is fractured. And above all else, he asked the question, because he wanted to decimate the relationship that Adam and Eve had with God. The question comes, did God say you could eat of the fruit of every tree in the garden? And Eve starts out by praising God. He is so good. He said you can eat of every fruit of every tree in the garden. Hundreds of them, I don't know, a thousand of them. You can eat of every fruit of every tree. And then she said, but you're correct. There is one tree that we cannot eat. We cannot touch it or we'll certainly die. And Satan, having asked a question, already knowing the answer, he said, you'll not surely die. He didn't come out and call God a liar. If he had said God's a liar, maybe Eve's antenna would have gone off and she had said something strange here. He slides into it. He said, uh, you'll not surely die. God knows that if you eat of this fruit, you become as wise as God. Satan's questions. Satan's questions. Comes to John the Baptist. John the Baptist there saying of Jesus, Behold, the Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world. I'm not worthy to unloose the laces on his sandals. When Jesus says, baptize me, John basically falls to the ground and said, are you out of your mind? You should be baptizing me. I, I cannot baptize you. You're the son of God. And then John is thrown into prison, right? He's preaching repentance. He gets King Herod mad at him and thrown into prison. He's been in there for weeks and months and all of a sudden Satan comes and he whispers to John the Baptist, is he really the Messiah? You're rotting in prison. You're waiting to die. You preach repentance. Jesus is preaching the prosperity gospel. He's got 10,000 people following him. He's going to set up an earthly kingdom. You're going to be dead and not part of it. He's not really the Messiah, is he, John? Uh, Satan asked the question to do harm to John the Baptist and to destroy the relationship he has with Jesus. 
John sends two of his disciples and he asks Jesus this question, Are you truly the Messiah or should we, should we be waiting for someone else? And the one in us stronger than the one in the world. For Jesus said, you go back and tell John that the blind see and the deaf hear and the crippled walk and I preach the gospel to the poor. You go back and tell John that. Was he angry at John? No. He knew that Satan had been whispering. And he says, there's no one on this earth greater than John the Baptist. The whispers of Satan comes to Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. Jesus, flat on his face, sweating drops of blood. Satan whispering to him just before the Mount of Transfiguration. Satan whispering louder, you don't really need to go to the cross. God does surely lie. There's got to be an easier way. And out of his mouth comes these words. Father, There's some other way to do the salvation of mankind. Let's do it some other way. But then the iron gate slams down on Satan's head. For out of his mouth comes the words that mean the destruction of Satan. Not my will, but thine be done. Not my will, but thine be done. God's questions. There was a professor at the seminary and he asked his students to read the portion of Scripture where God said to Adam, Adam, where art thou? And one student after another got up and they read that verse. Some of them read it as if God was tremendously angry. Adam, where art thou? Some read it as if God were nonchalant in a normal table conversation. Hey, Adam, where are you? And one student, as he read it, his voice was cracking, his eyes were filled with emotion. And he read it, Adam, where art thou? What have you done? And that's how God... Ask the question. To teach. To bring Adam and Eve back to repentance. To restore the relationship with God that Satan had put a knife into. Immediately thereafter, Genesis 3.15 Satan, because thou hast done this thing, there is now enmity between thee and me. I'm going to send somebody, going to crush your head. You'll strike at his heel, but he's going to crush your head. When he said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? Said it with a broken heart. Cain, what have you done? Where is your brother He asked the question to heal, to bring Cain to repentance, to heal the relationship with God. 
There came a day when Satan whispered into Martha's ear. Martha's brother Lazarus had died. She had sent a messenger 70 miles to the north to get Jesus. Jesus did not come. He said, the illness is not unto death. Lazarus dies. Jesus comes on the fourth day after his death. Martha is so angry, she runs outside the village, confronts him face to face. Ask him a question. Ask him a question. Mary asks the same question, but more quietly. She asks this question. Jesus, why didn't you come? If you'd have come, you'd have touched him, he'd still be alive. Were you too busy for your friends? That's the question Satan whispered in her ear. Jesus then said, the reason for his coming as a babe of Bethlehem, Jesus then said, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. And whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And then Jesus asked the question, to heal, to teach, to bring to repentance, to restore that which had been broken by death, to restore her faith, he asked his question, do you believe what I just said? It is the most important question that mankind will ever, 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 ever face. Do you believe what I've just said? It covers every aspect of your life. Covers all of the actions of your life. It covers when storms come, will you keep the faith? And it covers when blessings come, your hands are lifted up in praise to God. The most important question you and I will ever, ever, ever answer. Do you believe the 7,000 promises that God has placed in his word? I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Stay on the path that I've told you to stay on. If you fall, forgiveness is as instant as you saying, Father, forgive me. And the most important question of all, do you believe in him as your Lord and Savior? That he was born as a babe of Bethlehem to die on that cross 33 years later, three days later to be raised from the dead. Do you believe that your loved one, Jonathan or Allert or Dorothy or Sandy or Tony, do you believe that your loved one is safe up there, waiting for you. Martha, do you think I lied to you? That was a question he asked her. Do you think I lied to you? Do you believe what I just said? And out of Martha's mouth came these words. To the great dismay of Satan, out of her mouth came these words. I believe you are the Christ, 
the Son of the living God, the one who was promised to come. Questions. Your conscience will ask you questions. God wants to heal, to seek forgiveness, to restore his relationship with you, and for you to be restored in your relationships with others that you love. Your conscience will ask you questions. Satan will ask questions. God will ask questions. By the Spirit's help, what we pray in the Lord's Prayer, deliver us from the evil one. And so he shall. In our Savior's name. Amen.